Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Influenced. It's our podcast here with Robert Dean. And Blake Sokoloff. It's where we trace influence and lineage of various bands throughout rock and pop music history and kind of trace who influenced them and who they influenced and where where the music comes from. This week, we're obviously focusing in on Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yeah, they're a uh, group... Primarily formed in the late 80s band, uh, led by prolific and um, controversial figure Anton Newcomb, whose temper is kind of just as well known as the uh, band's music, if not even more so, partly due to the uh, pretty successful documentary that came out about the band about a decade ago called Dig, that kind of traces their relationship with Dandy Warhols and a couple other like music industry figures at the time and traces the uh, rise and fall of both the uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre and the Dandy Warhols and really shows you, uh, it's definitely one of the better music documentaries that exists out there and kind of shows you the difference between a band that's uh, a cult, just like a cult fascination and something that's actually kind of starting to gain momentum with like the the Dandy Warhols. So it's a very, very interesting very interesting documentary and definitely one of the reasons that a lot of people know about the Brian Jonestown Massacre today. We're not here to talk about their antics. We're here to talk about their music. <laughs> well, um, you, can't, you can't totally... Uh, yeah, you, you, can't, can't totally, you can't single one, yeah, one you out. You can't totally separate the but, two. Yeah, but, we definitely want to talk about the music. I was wondering where you were going to go with all that around Anton, but if we have any listeners who haven't seen Dig, uh, Blake and I would uh, highly recommend uh, uh, giving that a view. It's... Uh, uh, it's really definitely yeah. uh and so the the brian jonestown massacre really formed in san francisco in the late 80s as kind of a way for anton newcomb to get out his musical ambitions and like he he spent a lot of the uh late 80s and early 90s just kind of being fascinated by the uh british like shoegaze and noise rock scenes and being really influenced by bands like the Jesus and Mary Chain and My Bloody Valentine. Even like more, some more niche bands like Swerve Driver and Slow Dive and stuff like that. I uh, I was a uh, follower of Anton Newcomb's on Twitter for a while and he would pretty often just like talk about little little tidbits of um, his musical, musical journey and just his... Um, his uh, influences and a lot of just like the music that made him who he was. And he, I remember him talking about pretty often, uh, saw a slow dive concert on their earliest tour of the U.S. Mm. in um, probably 1990 or 1991.
he said, according to him, he was on a hundred sheets of acid, which is pretty much impossible for any any living human. Being, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I'm sure that's some sort of exaggeration, but it definitely that kind of dreamy, ethereal, and very dense music was a very big influence on the early works of the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Like this, this is a track from their the uh, first album. That was kind of first one of the first commercially available releases uh, from the Brian Jonestown Massacre, and it's this. This song is called Evergreen. So you can really hear the just like shoegaze and noise rock influence in their early work. That was just like very washed out and distorted electric guitars and the super dreamy mix of like female and male vocals is definitely a uh, a trick straight out of the slow dive or my bloody Valentine rule book. And so in the, in the early days, they were definitely very, very inspired by that Um that kind of musical trend in the late 80s and early 90s. And uh, after a few years of kind of chasing that shoegaze sound and that very uh, dreamy and nostalgic sound, he did a, a little bit of a 180, Anton did, I guess. And after after kind of finding more consistent lineup of the Brian Jonestown Massacre, because the, the, the band has always shifted around very, very heavily, uh, and like it really just revolves around Anton and some of his closest crew of friends. But in the in the mid '90s, he kind of found a uh, group of people that he trusted to play his songs, and a couple people that he liked writing songs with, like uh, a guitarist named Jeff Davies and another another musician named Matt Hollywood, who actually sings lead and uh, writes a few Brian Jonestown Massacre songs himself. They all very much really started getting uh, obsessed with recreating that like 60s and 70s like style of like music that Anton felt like had kind of gotten lost to the uh, years with just like everything, all the technological breakthroughs in the music industry and stuff that had happened in the, the last few years. And they started taking influence from bands like their their namesake, Brian Jones Band, the Rolling Stones. Like, you'll hear Paint It Black in just a second. And um, also a lot of other 60s bands like The Birds and The Who and uh, West Coast pop art experimental bands and even more niche bands like that. I see got very very obsessed recreating that that 60s sound with like a lot of albums that they released in a very very quick succession in the early and mid 90s i think 
between the years of like 1994 and 1996, they released something like four albums, uh, written, recorded, and like finished in that time frame. So in the span of almost a, a year and a half, he released like like almost 50 songs. And um, they were all kind of different takes on that like 60 sound. Like this is a uh, a cut from album the i think the uh, 1995 album take it from the man which features a massive just like british union jack on the album cover is kind of an homage to their uh very very british influence at the time You can really hear some of those early bands. I, I I definitely hear the Stones in 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 this song in particular. Definitely, yeah. Just like the the guitar interplay and the vocals are very very Stones esque. Yeah, definitely. definitely. What do you think about uh, the Stooges as an influence as well? Oh yeah, they're definitely. I mean, definitely. Just like a lot of the proto punk esque bands of the like late sixties. And uh, early 70s are definitely huge influences like the Stooges and the Velvet Underground and bands like that are definitely, definitely huge influences on like the Brian Jonestown Massacre. So messed up, I want you here. Especially what they were doing with like very, very 60s uh, rock influenced music in the mid 90s. The Iggy Pop and the Stooges were definitely huge. And even the way that they would like um, approach their audiences at shows and like they were very confrontational live. Often shows with the Brian Jones Sound Massacre would end with like band fighting or um, <laughs> exactly. like fighting the audience are just uh crazy shenanigans going going off so there's definitely a lot of that like we don't give a shit attitude was pretty prevalent with a lot of those like uh proto-punk bands as well that definitely played a a big role in the brian jonestown massacre yeah but and they they they've had like a a pretty storied history with like members just members of people just people being in and that band or playing with that band, like one of the uh, I believe the guitarists on this record from Take It to the Man or actually, I'm sorry, it's on the um, one of the guitarists who played on the next record after Take It to the Man, which is called Give It Back, is uh, Peter Hayes, who would go on to form the band Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Yeah. 
it's the, the playing in the Brian Jonestown massacre is kind of how uh, Peter Hayes really learned like what being in a band was about. And I think he was beginning to play with uh, Black Barber Motorcycle Club at the at the time of the that he was in the Brian Jonestown. But that's definitely like a big influence on on the Black Robo Motorcycle Club's music and just like um Peter Hayes probably learned a lot of what not to do with uh during his time with the Brian Jonestown Massacre and that definitely helped in the beginning of ERMC just keep the band together and keep it a little bit less crazy than a the, more a little more civil. Yeah, a little more civil than the uh Brian Jonestown Massacre, but it was definitely a very eye-opening experience and a very creative experience for him playing and being in the band. I know they occasionally still talk to this day, so it's not like the the uh, relationship was totally soured with Anton, but a number of uh, other notable musicians have worked with Anton. And like I know, um, one of the frontmen of the uh, kind of seminal shoegaze band, Ride. Uh, played on a Brian Jonestown Massacre album. I think it was one of the later albums that came out in like the 2000s. But uh, he was a like a pretty noted collaborator of Anton Newcomb's for a while, uh, Mark Gardner. Uh, and he uh, played guitar and I think sang on a couple of Brian Jonestown Massacre songs. <laughs> Anton Newcomb has a has a habit of finding these people just that he admires and people that he knows knows are very very talented. And actually, even the uh, the first Brian Jonestown Massacre record has um, the uh, drummer, one of the drummers for the uh, British band Swerve Driver. Anton accidentally stumbled upon that guy like hanging out in um, San Francisco one mm. day and kind of like kind of drafted him into his band. Maybe he was just like, hey, man, could just come jam with me one day? And he just, that guy wound up in the band for a few months. So mm. Anton definitely has a very, even though he might be a kind of a crazy uh, front man who is nearly impossible to work with, there's a lot of very, very high quality musicians and people who do choose to work with him, maybe because like, while he might be, kind of a crazy person maybe the quality of the art that he can create is worth it to work with work with him if every now and again you got to put up with some tantrums yeah and but, you know it's it's kind of twofold you know he's he's a great eye for talent ear for talent i guess definitely and also uh you know those are it's a great opportunity for somebody who doesn't have a big career going yet to you know get some exposure and then potentially go on and do other things and anton has been able to kind of recreate over the years and hasn't let that stop him. Definitely. So it's, it's a different model, but it certainly, um, I think they have a total of, or he has a total of 13 LPs, oh, something yeah. along that oh, line. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's doing something right. Definitely. And I, I know a lot of the, uh, 
people that kind of currently play in the Brian Jonestown Massacre, because I think at the at, at the current day, because they do still occasionally tour and record, but I think for the most part nowadays, it's mostly like a group of just like session musicians and friends of Anton's who play in other like psych- psychedelic rock bands and stuff who kind of come together every now and again to tour as the Brian Jonestown Massacre and support Anton. And there's definitely a uh, a big community of people who have latched onto his music and kind of continually support him and like the, the band, their uh, presence, because they have been over the past few years, they've become even they've kind of just grown in popularity since the 90s because they've kind of become like one of the ultimate cult bands because they just have this just such a wild just story about their about their music and the the personalities are there so you always there and there's always that chance of if you go to a brian jones sound massacre show you might get to see some crazy stuff go down on stage so that definitely helps their helps their draw and kind of appeals so definitely a uh place for them in the music in the music world these days for the brian jones town massacre and they've also, like, influenced a number of, like, current, like, independent and just, like, some of the, even the larger alternative rock bands that have come out in the last few years have definitely been noted. Brian Jonestown Massacre fans and influences, like, the, uh, I know the uh, frontmen, both frontmen of the Libertines, Pete Doherty and Carl Barat, uh, are very, very, like, outspoken in their, um, admiration of the Brian Jonestown Massacre. What you gonna do, Katie? You're a sweet, sweet girl. But it's a cruel, cruel world, a cruel, cruel world. But things are none too strong, Katie. Hurry up, Mrs. Brown. I can feel it coming down and it won't take none too long. They can be such a, like, shambolic band almost and still put out such a uh, great work and like in their their recording run in the 90s is pretty is pretty incredible with them putting out like like four or five albums in the span of a year and if you like look in like just the span of like what they did from like 1992 to like 19 like the end of the 1990s they put out so much potentially even like a hundred songs in that decade which is pretty incredible so like they've definitely like there's a lot of like the uh newer independent artists like the libertines and uh other bands like like Jake Bug and even artists like uh I know I've I've seen um other contemporaries and be- bands like the Beachwood Sparks. And- yeah, I mean I, you were just talking about the 90s for uh Brian Jonestown and and uh I mean it, it, that's probably one of the more impressive creative stretches for uh for a guy like Anton and you know and, and obviously the musicians around him but for his ability to kind of pull that off it's kind of amazing. Definitely. And they're like the the Black Angels were the band I uh, ah, okay. blanked on there for a second. But. I mean, the Brian Jonestown Massacre have definitely set like a massive precedent in like the kind of psychedelic rock 
scene and i know um like the black angels had uh head up austin psych fest every year or i think it's now called levitation i know the uh in like 2016 or 17 the uh brian jonestown massacre were one of the storied headliners of that like festival and every every year that festival kind of makes a point to have their headliners be these acts that have kind of inspired dozens of musicians and just like be become these like kind of pillars of like alternative and indie rock and stuff like that so like when bands like the black angels and like a newer psychedelic rock bands like temples and even like tame impala can talk about like the influence that like the brian jonestown massacre had on like maybe it's just their early work with bands some bands like tame impala and stuff who have kind of drifted away from that like raw psychedelic rock sound but just the fact that that music did have an influence on their on their work it definitely is a very big testament to the just the the band in general and their ability to always push forward and like in the while they got kind of mostly known for their ability to like create the best 60s music that wasn't from the 60s they've also like incorporated a lot of styles and other types of genres and like even even as far as like like in the later 2000s on music on albums like um revelation in like kind of bringing around a more electronic influence and even like having a lot of songs that are maybe there's not any guitar in the songs and maybe it's all synthesizers and drum machines and sequencers and samples that they're kind of willing to work with any medium and can still create these great rock songs and great pop songs is definitely a very telling thing about their just influence and their the way that they can kind of connect with people and their ability to make incredible art out of like a very fraught atmosphere so to speak you think it's kind of like a, a willingness to recreate themselves or is that yeah i think i think it is kind of a uh, willingness to kind of always be recreating themselves and experimenting with what what kind of boundaries they can push as a as a band and kind of as a vessel for anton newcomb's sort of creative drive and creative ambition so they and and i i also think as as kind of anton's age because he's he's not necessarily young a young man anymore um I think he's gotten more and more open to collaboration. Like he there, I think there was always kind of a tense, uh, in the early years of the Brian Jonestown massacre, there was always kind of some tension because the only reason there were a lot of players in that band was physically because Anton couldn't play everything all at once. And now that music technology is at the point where Anton kind of could play everything all at once. If he wanted to, I think he's kind of learned that, Oh, he does enjoy the collaboration. And he's also he's also in his later years has started to act as a little bit more of an actual producer himself. And he's worked with a lot of other singers and bands 
as a producer behind the behind the scenes. So he's definitely learning to collaborate. Yeah, I wonder how uh, how that is to have Anton uh, producing your music. It might be. It's probably a little intense. I'd imagine, but I bet you, I bet you walk away with some pretty spectacular results. I'd have to agree. And he's, uh, he's always kind of cooking up something around the corner. I know when he was active on social media, he talks about whenever he has, he says the next time he has like an idea that he thinks is really, really something, he's gonna hook up with the uh, producer Tony Visconti, who produced a lot of uh, David Bowie's like kind of seminal work and um as i guess decent friends with anton in there so next time anton has an idea that he feels like is really worth recording and really worth putting out into the world he's going to work with uh tony visconti and we might see something in the next few years of that collaboration and maybe he'll uh kind of take the brian jones town massacre up to the next level with that oh hopefully that happens that would be unbelievable yeah it would be a pretty pretty sweet yeah i wanted to i just wanted to kind of talk about their influence and the this i mean this band has also had a lot of influence on my personal art and the music that i've made throughout my life so yeah i wanted to kind of share that with everyone and um yeah the brian jonestown massacre i think we kind of well, More or less covered. Yeah, uh, I think so. They've they're coming up on thirty years. Yeah. They've had an opportunity to influence, including you. Yeah, which I knew. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty special. So definitely, they're a very, very interesting, very interesting group with quite a uh, storied history and a lot of a lot of really, really great tracks. Awesome. Um, yeah. So to close out today's episode, I think I'm going to play a track from one of their more recent uh, endeavors. It's come from what they called their mini album thingy wingy but this song is called fish it was released in 2016 by the brian jonestown massacre thank you so much thank you this has been influenced you know my soul.